Today is uh, the fourth week of our four-part series, If Walt Disney Was Pastor, um, and I hope you guys have enjoyed it so far, um, or up until today. I hope you enjoy it at the end of today as well. Um, but I want to say, before, we, before I start today's sermon, I just have to say, I have preached four sermons in six weeks, okay? I'm exhausted. <laughs> I don't know how Dad does it. That he pastors his church and still preaches every single week, and he's actually a good preacher. That's what's really crazy, because it'd be easy to be a bad preacher, um, but he, he does a great job every week, and I'm, I'm four weeks in. I got two weeks in the middle of that on vacation, and I'm exhausted. I was, I was struggling with this one. Not, I had the ideas, but they weren't coming together, and, and I'm just saying kudos to our pastor, because... Uh, I've enjoyed this. This is fun. It's fun. But next week, next week I'm not going to be here. But the week after that, when I'm back with the kids, I'm so excited to be back with the kids. I'm so excited to teach the kids again because that is uh, more in my wheelhouse. Not that it's easier, but it's just more what I'm built for and what I'm called to. And so I'm excited to be able to, to serve that way. But I have really, really enjoyed having the opportunity to share these, these sermons with you. Um, and I hope that you have uh, gained a lot through them. Uh, just a quick recap uh, of the, the series. We started off talking about the beauty and the beast, that there is a beast in each of us, a sinful beast, but that God is this redeeming beauty. Christ is this redeeming beauty who sets us free. But the crux of that was in order for us to be free, the beast has to die. We have to die to ourselves. The second week, we talked about, I've seen the light. We talked about uh, that those of us when we step into faith and become a Christian, we are, we are gifted with a special knowledge of the world um, and that, that our responsibility is to share that knowledge with others even if it's a rejected message, even though it will be a rejected message. Um, but we recognize that it's the lights in our life that draw people to Christ. And then last week, we talked about akuna matata. It means no worries for the rest of your day. But we, we took that and we understood and unpacked that to understand that we can't just carelessly flow through life. It doesn't mean that. It means even in the throes of life, we don't have to worry. Even though life can be difficult and crazy, sometimes we just have to throw our hands up and enjoy the ride. And if you weren't here, you missed a roller coaster ride. That was so much fun. It was so much fun. And so today we're, we're finishing up this series. Um, and there is a common theme. I'll, we'll do the song here in just a minute because I know you guys are waiting. Um, there is a common theme among Disney movies. Uh, this theme of not true love which is in there, but this theme of the, the character at the beginning of the story feels out of place. There's a displacement. There's a, there's a longing for more. In fact, throughout a lot of the songs within Disney movies, there's at least one song that kind of hits at this point. I want to be where the people are. I want to see. That's literally a fish out of water story. You know, like she just feels out of place. Um, uh, you know, who is that girl I see staring straight back at me? When will my reflection show? And, and, and you know, you can fly, you can fly, you can fly. We all want to fly, right? We all want to belong. And, and we all feel like there must be more. And, and so that's 
that's a, a common theme among stories, especially in Disney. And so we're going to take a look at today a story with a couple of characters who felt that there had to be something more, and they just were missing it. She was a rich princess in a palace, feeling trapped by her abundance. He was a poor street rat, feeling trapped by his poverty, both longing for something greater. And so this morning, I'm going to invite my wife up here one more time. She has done a fabulous job, a wonderful job. I'm so blessed and wonderful. It's wonderful to have you sing with me. So we're going to do this one more time. We were going to sit on the carpet, but I was afraid people couldn't see, so we just chill up here. All right, let's, let's do it. Well, as I said, and kids, you guys can be dismissed at this time that are going with the, the younger kids. Uh, within the Disney movies and within stories, there's, there's often a character who is longing for something more, who feels out of place. In fact, the reason why that's such a common theme is because it's such a common feeling. I can remember being a little kid and, and grabbing a bath towel and tying it around my neck and pretending to fly around the house and being a superhero. I, I, remember, uh, I remember when I watched the movie Rookie of the Year about a boy who breaks his arm and it heals wrong and he can pitch and he ends up pitching for the Cubs. I remember watching that movie and with my friend Brian Evers and we went home and put a ball in the yard and ran as fast as we could because we wanted to break our arms so bad because we wanted to be the next kid to pitch in the major leagues. Uh, I remember, you know, we, we all, and even as, a, as an adult, we still have those experiences. Like, I feel like there's something missing. I feel like there's something missing. And the Bible points us to exactly what it is we're actually longing for. If you have your Bible with you, you can open to Revelation 21. Did he say Revelation? I did. Revelation. Oh yeah, we do that thing where we hold our Bibles up. I forgot to do that the whole series. I'm using for my iPad today. Okay, here we go. Hold it up. This is God's word for me today. I'm going to read this. It's a little bit lengthy, so bear with me. John is revealing his vision here. He said, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and will be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. I've heard that before this morning. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He, was, he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children." But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. I'm going to skip down here uh, to verse 22. It says uh, that all of that is very beautiful description of that city that we just, I just 
for sake of time, you can read it later. Verse 22, I did not see a temple in the city before the Lord, because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are simple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives its light, and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Would you pray with me? God, we ask that you reveal your word to us this morning. Open our minds, open our hearts to receive from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Uh, This passage of scripture is describing the end of time. Now, we have a tendency, and it's because of culture, it's because of of art, it's because of um, just the way Christianity has developed and evolved since its inception with Christ. Um, But we have kind of bought into this cultural belief of heaven, of eternity. Um, if, If I asked you to envision heaven, most of you would have a similar view that would involve sitting on a cloud, playing a harp, you, know, uh, you would envision this kind of eternity of um, uh, uh, this thing in the sky, in the air, and, and that is how most people just imagine heaven. There's little babies flying around. It's like, oh, look, there's another baby kid thing. That's, uh, and, and this is how we envision heaven. And again, this is, a, this is a very cultural view of heaven. It is a very unscriptural view of heaven. Uh, and so, when we think of eternity, that's what we have a tendency to imagine. In fact, when we talk about someone who dies, we, we say they've, they've gone to heaven and they'll be there for eternity. But the reality of scripture is, that's not true. What? We don't spend eternity in heaven? No, actually, what this is describing is, there is a, a period of time where if you were to die today, as a believer, you would go to heaven and, and spend some time there. Um, but there is, at the end, the moment when heaven actually becomes, or comes to earth, this great city. And, and so actually, eternity is spent on earth. I see some of you like, he's lying. He's messing with us. No, I'm dead serious. This is what the scripture is teaching. Uh, It says, the old heaven and the old earth had passed away. There's a new heaven and a new earth. Now, language is a tricky thing. And so when we understand this new earth, it's easy to imagine God just comes in at the end and just burns the whole thing and like blows up the, you know, like the, like Alderaan just... And if you're not a Star Wars fan, that's the planet that blows up, okay? And so uh, we imagine Earth blowing up, and then he's like, make a new thing, and it's just like the old one. And, um, but as I've, as I've studied this, I've come to believe that the new Earth isn't an entirely new planet, that actually a better description is a resurrected Earth, and I really like that terminology. Um, in fact, I'm going to start using that all the time. A resurrected earth. When we think of our bodily resurrection, we recognize that as we die, when we're resurrected, our body is resurrected and made new, refreshed. But I believe that in heaven and in eternity beyond, that it's still me. 
It's still me. It's a resurrected me. And yes, I'm different. Yes, I'm restored and renewed. But it's still me. And I believe that a proper understanding of eternity recognizes that the earth is, it's still our earth. And I think that shapes how we live day to day. And I think that's why it's important. Like, why is that important? Why does that matter? And I think that's important. And here's what, through, through the eyes of Aladdin and Jasmine in this song, Whole, Whole New World, you, like I said, they, they're longing for something more. There's, there's this deep longing in us as temporary creatures for eternity. It's what we're missing. It's, it's what, it, it, we're, we're constantly in tension because we are eternal creatures trapped in a temporary world. Um, and so there's this tension in our lives. And in fact, C.S. Lewis, a great theologian, uh, he has a great way of, of putting this. He, he defending the concept of eternity to non-believers. He says, the fact that we are constantly surpri- surprised by the passage of time, like, you know, you're sitting there and you're watching Netflix for like 10 minutes, but seven hours have passed on the clock. How did that get? Oh my goodness, I'm gonna be late for work. Or, or the opposite when you're at work, and you've been there all day, and five minutes have passed on the clock. The, the fact that we are constantly surprised by the passage of time. Oh my goodness, you've gotten so big! Yes, that was because the last time you saw me was 10 years ago. That happens, you know? At, at, when you're a kid, you grow this way, and when you're grown up, you grow this way. You've gotten so big! Thank you. But C.S. Lewis says this, he says, the fact that we're constantly surprised by the passage of time is a definitive proof that we're created to live eternally, that we're not created to live within time. He says, a fish doesn't constantly swim around going, oh my goodness, I'm wet, surprise, Ah, I'm wet, oh my goodness, I'm wet. No, a fish isn't surprised by the fact that it's wet because it's created to live in water. So it's just like, yeah, normal life. And the fact that, but the fact that we are created to live in something beyond is why we're constantly surprised by the passage of it. And the thing about Aladdin is that he actually was, in the story, destined for something greater. He was what was referred to by the cave of wonders, the diamond in the rough. A diamond in the rough. He was... He was destined for something greater, and he felt that tension in his life, so he, he sought out purpose, greater purpose. And because we have the tension of eternity in our life, because we live in a broken and flawed world that's longing to be resurrected, because we live in, in flawed bodies that are longing to be resurrected, because of that, we constantly have the tension of there must be something more. And so we talk a lot in church about longing for eternity, looking forward to it. Ah, I'm looking forward to eternity. We're looking forward to eternal life. Hey, don't worry. Once you die, eternal life starts, right? When you die, eternal life starts. That's not right, actually. Gotcha. Eternal life starts the day you accept Christ. That's right. The day you accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior is the day eternal life started. It doesn't start when you die. If it starts when you die, that, that, that's the problem. I know we have a tendency, you gotta think with differently with me here, okay? 
It, the day you accepted Christ, you were made into a creature that will live forever. Live forever. We already know there's a second death, an eternal death. We don't want that, the eternal life. And so the day we accept Christ is the day we step into eternal life. And so we then prophetically begin to walk in this new kingdom. This kingdom we read about where there's no pain, there's no suffering, where God is the center, where, where justice is had, where the nations, the nations freely come and go. It's, this is a multinational kingdom. This is, a, this is a peaceful kingdom. And the day we accept Christ is the day we step into that eternity. And you've been prof- prophetically saying that, many of you since you were a child. What? what? Hold on. How many of you in this room have ever recited the Lord's Prayer? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Wait for it. Ready? Check this out. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is not like someday, God, we hope your kingdom will come on this earth. When we pray this, we're saying, God, today your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. We're prophetically praying, God, let it start now. What, a, what an amazing, you, you, you maybe have never caught that before. You probably, if you grew up in any kind of church setting, you probably can quote that, that Lord's Prayer from rote memorization to the point you don't even think about the words you're saying anymore. Hallowed be thy name, the kingdom come, will be known, give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our, and then you got to fill in the blank depending on where you went to church, trespasses, debts, sins, whatever. And lead us not into temptation. So then, as Christians, as believers, in a broken and flawed world, how do we live as citizens of a perfect heavenly kingdom? When we look, we look, when we look at the scripture and we see what this kingdom is, uh, what it looks like, we have to begin to usher those things in. And we can't do this always at a, at a global level, but we can in our own lives. I mean, does, does your home, I know you're not gonna get it perfect because we are a flawed and broken world. That means I'm a flawed and broken husband. I'm a flawed and broken parent. I'm a flawed, my kids are flawed and broken. And if they're not broken, I will break them <laughs> when they're flawed. And even my wife, who is nearly perfect, practically perfect in every way, but not quite perfect. She's still flawed and broken. And so we don't always get right. So then we strive for it, though. We need to create in our home, within our marriage, does our marriage reflect the eternal kingdom of God? Is there... More peace than strife, or is there more strife than peace? Because peace is a fruit of the Spirit, and strife is not. Is there more frustration and anger, or is there more joy in our home? Because joy is a fruit of the Spirit, and anger and frustration and anxiety, those are not. And so uh, we need to strive as believers to create within our, within our ability to bring 
God's kingdom into the earth. Yeah, someday it's gonna come out of the clouds whether we like it or not. But today we can begin to prepare this earth for its future, for its future. Um, how, and then, and so then, then how though? Like, how do we do these things? Well, Megan and I, well, actually, before Megan and I were married, when I was uh, in sixth grade, my parents took me to Disney World. Um, it was the, I believe, the 25th anniversary of Disney World, so they had decorated the castle to look like this giant cake. It's often cited as one of Disney's greatest blunders because people hated it. Uh, having never seen the castle, I didn't think much of it. I'm like, okay, it's a giant birthday cake, whoop-de-doo. Um, I didn't know what was underneath it, but, but we went, my family and I went to Disney World, and we, you know, never been there before. It's this giant place, so we're like using the map, and where, where do you want to ride? It's all the way over here, you know, and you're trying to figure out and navigate the park, and I didn't, I, I didn't go back until I was in high school, and at this point, Meg and I were dating, um, and so we went together, and uh, this our, we had just graduated high school, so it was the summer after our senior year, our band went down there, so we, we had a great time with our friends, and again, though, the map, like, where are we going to go, what are we going to ride, when are we going to meet people, and, and so you're trying to plan your day, and the next year, we went for our honeymoon, and the next year after my senior year, I love that. I went with my senior class, and the next summer I went on my honeymoon. It was like, so fun. Uh, still lost, but then a couple of years ago we went, and we've gone a few times since then. Um, and if you would go to Disney World with us today, you will find that if we grab a map, it's more just to keep handy. Uh, we don't need it. We can take you to any attraction uh, without a map. We can take you to any restaurant. We can plan our day knowing, oh, okay, we don't want to ride that right then because that's way over on the other side of the park. But we also can say, hey, yes, there's no direct access to Frontierland from the hub, but if you go through Adventureland, there's a shortcut into Frontierland. You don't have to cut through Liberty Square. And so we can tell you all of that. And the reason we can do that is because we've spent time there. We've spent time in the Magic Kingdom. And we spent enough time in the Magic Kingdom that we can navigate through the park. We're not generally caught off guard by where things are. Usually, if we're caught off guard, it's like, ah, oh, that ride's not open right now or something. Um, but because we've spent time in the Magic Kingdom, we are um, familiar with it. And when we, as we spend time in God's presence, Man, we grow familiar with God's kingdom. You understand? So when you are spending time in prayer or devotion or reading your Bible, you are spending time in God's presence. And as you spend time in God's presence, you will begin to grow in an understanding of God's kingdom. And you will be more comfortable then in God's kingdom. So when you walk into a place that is reflecting God's kingdom, you'll feel comfortable there. I will tell you, when a non-Christian walks into a godly home, sometimes they're uncomfortable because I know we'd have friends over and they'd sit down for supper and it's like, whoa, 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 heathen. We pray first. Oh, okay. No, that just, bless this food again. Yeah, <laughs> it was usually quick, but that, they were uncomfortable. Why are you getting up early on a Sunday? Well, because you got church. What? I sleep in. Okay, well, that's fine. 
Um, but as you spend time in God's presence, you're less uncomfortable with things of God. And so, so when you spend time in God's kingdom, in God's presence, you, you grow more and more comfortable with the things of God. Uh, you also can very quickly, the more time you spend in God's presence, the, the easier time you have picking out fakes and things that aren't real. Um, and so that's also important. Like, uh, I know when someone tells me they're really excited to go to Harry Potter World at Disney, I'm like, That's not Disney. That's Universal. That's the other guys, okay? Get away from me. Get behind me, Satan, all right? Universal. (laughs) Universal is the other guys. Um, And so uh, I I know when when people tell me that Anastasia is her favorite Disney princess. That's a peasant, okay? (laughs) Anastasia was Fox Pictures. It's not a Disney movie. Uh, we spent time there, and that's the point. So, so then, in order for us to spend time, or to, to grow in God's kingdom, to usher God's kingdom into this world, um, we just have to move into God's kingdom. When you buy a new house, generally, you don't move in the day you buy it. Not totally. Now, it happens, especially in certain circumstances. Sometimes you just got to get in. But generally, you take a little bit of time. You might paint the rooms. Or you might, you might uh, you, even, even if you move in, you like shove everything into one room and prep the rest of the house. You know, there's, uh, there's uh, the notorious first meal on the floor because the kitchen table is not there yet, you know. But, but there's, 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 this, there's this prepping process that happens when you move into a house. Um, And if we're going to spend eternity in God's kingdom on earth, in a resurrected earth, we can go ahead and begin to prep the house. We can go ahead and begin to get it ready. And how do we do that? Well, with our friend. And you ain't never had a friend like this guy. Let me tell you, when Aladdin meets the genie, yes, he gets his wishes, and that's a big part of the story. And I just, I wish I could come up here today and be like, well, if Walt Disney was a pastor, you get a wish, and you get a wish, and you get a wish, and you get a wish. Just ask God for anything. And Abe, if you could have one wish, what would you pick? What would you wish for? Come on, what would you wish for? You don't know? Alexis knows. What would you wish for? Sanity. Uh, it's a thing I lost about 10 years ago when you were born. Zach, what would you wish for? Come on, you got a genie asking you what you wish for. Oh my, you got to think bigger, my friend. This is an all phenomenal cosmic power, okay? Okay, he wants to meet a Vikings player. That works, that works. That's a great, uh, Hannah, what would you wish for? Come on, kids. Ellie, what do you wish for? Uh, the grown-ups are all sitting there. They all know what they would wish for. Because you want to go to Disney World? To live in Disney World. I would wish to own Disney World. Okay, because then I can go there whenever I want, sleep in the castle, and make billions of dollars. What? Uh-huh. Have more books? To have more time to read books. Yes. Anybody else? Anybody know what they'd wish for? Myra. What is it? A horse. Okay, you guys, we really got to up your wishing game. Okay. To be really healthy. That's a good wish. That's a great wish. Yeah. Unfortunately, God is not a genie. 
And so you don't get what you wish for. Sorry. But, but, if you've ever seen the movie Aladdin, you'll find that Genie's greatest help to Aladdin was not the wishes he granted. Uh, it may seem that way. He made him the prince. And, but Genie's greatest gift he gave to Aladdin was one, being his friend the entire time, and two, he was constantly giving free advice. Constantly. In both the movies, in the live action, and in the live action, he does the whole dance thing, and he didn't even have to use a wish. Like, that would be my wish. Help me to be an amazing break dancer, you know? Like, <laughs> but he just is constantly helping Aladdin. Here's some advice. Here's some, we'll create the mood. We'll set the stage. Here's a magic carpet, whatever you want. Um, and God gives us his spirit not to grant our wishes, but to dwell in us, to guide us, to help us, to move us, to be a constant voice in our ear whispering his truth, to be a constant mentor because who knows better about God's kingdom than God himself. And so if you will listen, if you will allow God's spirit to reside in your life, and if you will listen with your spiritual ears, you will find that life, it may not be perfect. That was last week's whole thing. But life begins to look different. It begins to look a little bit more each day like God's kingdom. And if a lot of people do this in one area, God's kingdom really starts to get established. And Jesus himself said, my kingdom is not of this world. We are not talking about a political conquest here. We are not talking about any of that. I'm not telling you don't be involved in politics. You're an American citizen, okay? I think everyone in here is an American citizen. If not, you should get your citizenship. It's a good thing. And I also think everyone in here is a heavenly citizen. If not, I can help you with that one. I help you with that one. So, as an American citizen, vote, do all the things that, that help your government move forward. But your highest goal should not be to make America the greatest thing. Your highest goal should be to bring God's kingdom into the earth. Okay? Um, and so, we do that by every day. Let's take a, a, a one more brief look at what God's kingdom looks like. God's kingdom is multinational. Folks, you live in Warsaw. There's not a lot of cultural diversity Okay, but there is a lot of diversity. Um, we think of cultural diversity in ethnicities. And y'all need to have, you're from Warsaw, so you have to be a little more intentional about being friends with people who are different than you. Okay, but you need to be intentional about it. Why? I don't want y'all getting to heaven and be like, oh my goodness, he looks different than me. How'd you get here? It's a multinational kingdom. Jesus wasn't white, okay? So first of all, you need to be okay with people who are different than you, all right? There's an old, this old thing, this old joke. Uh, the guy, guy dies, goes to heaven and all this thing, and, and, and the angel's showing him around, and he's like, you know, there's, there, there's this, there's that, there's that, and he, and he walks by this room, and there's a group of people, but it's like a secluded room. And, and everything's been so great and grandiose, and, but there's this one spot, there's just one group of people all by themselves, and he says, what's, what's that? And he says, oh, they're the Pentecostals. They think they're the only ones here. <laughs> All right? 
that no, heaven is multicultural. Listen, 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 Linda, listen, listen, Linda, 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 listen. I don't care if you like the young people's music or not. You're just going to have to get ready because when you get to heaven, some, some rapper is going to be there too. And, and he's going to invite you on stage. And Jesus is going to be watching. Okay? And you're going to have to get up on stage with him and be like, Jesus is the man. And I know that because he can do all kinds of things that are really great. And you're going to have to do that. Okay? And young people, listen. You're going to get to heaven and some old fogey's going to be playing folk music on a guitar and a banjo. And you're going to have to foot stomp and sing along. Okay? All right? Listen, heaven is multicultural. You need to be okay with different ethnicities. Yes, absolutely. But you also need to be able to interact with and rub shoulders and live in a kingdom with people who are diametrically opposed to you because there is a unifying thing. If we love Jesus, that's what matters. I don't care if you're a sports nut or if you don't like sports at all. There's going to be people of both persuasions in heaven. Okay? And if... If Apostle Peter asks me to play football, you bet I'm going to tackle that son of thunder, okay? All right? I'm excited about that. But if, if what I'm saying is, I'm getting a little bit off here, but what I'm saying is, this is super important to me, and that's why I get a little crazy here. It's super important to me that you guys are willing here to usher in God's kingdom by befriending people who are very different than you. It's super important to me that you on this earth model God's kingdom by not putting yourself in exclusive circles and saying, unless you're just like me, I don't want to be your friend. Because that is absolutely the opposite of God's kingdom. It's absolutely the opposite of God's kingdom. I know I'm not the world's best guitar player. I don't claim to be. I know I'm not the world's best singer. I don't claim to be because if I was, I'd be making a whole lot more money. Okay? I don't claim to be. I don't care if you like the songs we sing, quite frankly. That's what I can play. (laughs) Okay? So, that's all I got. Um, But I appreciate when people are willing to worship in things that are maybe different or uncomfortable because Heaven, at times, will be different and maybe even uncomfortable. Listen, heaven's kingdom is a place where there are no tears. We talked about that earlier today. God will wipe the tears from our eyes. Um, We need to strive on this earth to heal the broken. We need to look for people whose eyes are tear-stained and find opportunities to help bring them healing. I believe someday God will wipe every tear from our eyes, but it's okay to help him with the process here. Yes, amen. In heaven, there's no sorrow. So quit bringing your sorrow into the world. You're just making it worse. Okay, grumpy cat. It is our responsibility as heavenly citizens to bring more joy into the world than we do hurt. It's our responsibility to bring healing, not hurt, not pain. If you can't say anything nice, shut up. 
I think is how it goes, something like that. Don't say anything at all. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I was right on the, the same line of thought. Just quit. You're not bringing in God's kingdom. I, you're tearing it down. Bring in God's kingdom. For goodness sake, take care of the earth you live in. Yes, God will resurrect this sucker one of these days. He's going to make it all fresh and new. But it's okay to take care of the earth you live in now. All right? I don't care if you believe climate change is the greatest disaster of a generation or the greatest hoax of a generation. You probably fall in one or two camps. It seems everybody does. I don't care. Take care of the earth. Because when God put us here, he made us stewards of it. He said it's your job to take care of it. Not because some politician says to or because some politician says not to. God says take care of the earth you live in. Steward it. Don't kick animals just for fun. Okay? Take care of the earth you live in. I don't kick animals for fun. I kick them when they're, when they're in my house and they're not supposed to be. <laughs> Get out of here. No, I, I don't do that. I don't do that. Listen, we are citizens of heaven. It is our responsibility to bring God's kingdom here. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we gotta stop praying that God would bring his kingdom to the earth if we're not willing to let him bring his kingdom to our home. If we're not willing to let God bring his kingdom into my life, into my mouth, into my thoughts. God, I want your kingdom on the earth. I want you to come down here and be. Do you know why Jesus got killed? Because everyone wanted him to be the king of Rome and kick all them Romans out. But they weren't willing to let him be the king of their life. We want you to be in charge, just not of us. Isn't that a common thing to say? We want you in control, just don't control me. Control everybody else. Whip up on my enemies, but don't mess with me. Okay? That's why Jesus got killed. And we're still doing it today. God, we want your kingdom on the earth. We want to be a Christian nation. But, man, I don't want to be, like, just don't make me do all the things. Everybody else should. Non-Christians should conform to my way of thinking. But I shouldn't have to conform to your word, Jesus. Let's just get this straight, right? No. No. It is our job to bring God's kingdom and the earth for people around us. Listen to this. When people enter our home, when people interact with us in day to day, our way of life should seem foreign. It should be like, what are you doing? Our way of life should be foreign because it's a kingdom they're not used to. Because we are from a place that they are not from. And we live in a world that they do not live in. So our, our, our language, the way, you, you give how much to the church? 10%? Oh my gosh, I put $10 in once. And that was hard. The preaching's not even that good. That's weird. You go to church every Sunday? Like more than Christmas and Easter? That's weird. You guys... You guys ask for forgiveness when you're mean to each other? That's weird. When I'm mean to my brother, I just punch him again and tell him to shut up and quit crying. No. We should, our lives for people that interact with us should seem foreign. And if it does, and if our lives look different and if we act different when 
We are doing our part to bring God's kingdom into the world. We're doing our part to help to show people a whole new world, a world beyond the confines of their kingdom or beyond the confines of their poverty. We're showing them a world that is so much bigger than any of those things. We're showing them and exposing them to a world where God is the king and the sun doesn't shine because it doesn't have to. Because God is the light. We, where, where there's no tears, there's no sorrow, there's no pain, and we're inviting them, we're saying, hey, what we have here in our home is a shadow of what will be. What we have in this church is a shadow of what will be. But can you imagine how, if church is this good, if our home is this peaceful, imagine what heaven's gonna be like. Booyah. Booyah. In heaven, there are people who are actually good at guitar. I will... I, I, I hereby declare that when I go to heaven <laughs> or spend eternity on the earth, whichever comes first, uh, I will hang up my guitar and leave it to the professionals. You have, I don't want to say my word because if Jesus asks me to, I'm totally going to play. But otherwise, otherwise I'm just going to hang it up and y'all can listen to the pros, okay? But, <laughs> but we... Uh, we can live in as citizens of God's kingdom. I want to say, uh, before, before we end in prayer, uh, a couple of things. First of all, thank you so much for bearing with me as the fill-in preacher for the last uh, several weeks. Um, I love preaching to adults occasionally. And so <laughs> it has been a lot of fun. Um, I will say that I have worked very, very hard to make sure these messages reflect the truth of the word of God, not just a creative way of telling things. I once taught a lesson to other pastors and they said, you know, the danger of creativity and of solely operating in creativity is it leads to apostasy. Sometimes we're so creative we no longer teach the truth. And so I've striven to teach the truth above all, but do so in a creative method. I want to say thank you to dad for all of his hard work as our pastor, as he leads us and preaches to us each week. Um, I want to point out, now that it's over, service is over, I don't feel that this is super awkward. That last week I talked about one of my greatest anxieties as a child was when I got a poor grade on a spelling test. I got a C on a spelling test and I had nightmares about this thing and it, it wrecked me and it ruined me and it was in second grade and my second grade teacher is actually here today as a visitor. Um, I'm so thankful for her influence in my life. She was one of my favorite teachers I ever had in all my years of school. She continues to be uh, a wonderful influence in my life. And so, Ms. Everson, thank you uh, for giving me a C on that test, but letting us take it again on Friday, because, you know, Friday was a good day. Uh, and so, anyway, I'm, I'm so thankful uh, that she's still, even after all these years, is uh, supportive. She just came to hear me preach this morning, and, and that's a big honor to, to do that. So um, let's go live as citizens of a different kingdom this week. I, I want to really, really, I want to really encourage you. I hope that for every person in this room, there comes a point in this week when you have to ask yourself the question, is this something a citizen of God's kingdom would say, would do, would think, I hope that there's a point this week when you are faced with that question and you remember Jared's voice saying, be a citizen of God's kingdom. And yeah, you do the right thing. Jennifer, do the right thing. All right? If you weren't here for Wednesday Night Bible Study, it's a little bit of an inside joke. I apologize. I love inside jokes. I'd like to be a part of one someday. 
Let's, let's pray. Dear God, we are so thankful that we do not have to wait in anticipation for your kingdom. We know what it looks like. You have given us a blueprint, quite literally. We know how big it is. We know what color it is. We know what it looks like. We know how people in your kingdom act. God, I'm so thankful that you don't look at our earth and you don't look at us and say that we are irredeemable. But you look at us personally, you look at the earth we live on and say, these things can be resurrected and made new. These things can be made perfect again. These things can be made whole and complete again. And so God, I thank you that today we live in eternity. Eternally minded. That the the decisions we make today are not temporary, but we're making decisions that impact eternity. And so God, I pray over us that we think and act different. That we do things that are different. And God, in doing so, we bring your kingdom into our world. And heaven meets earth, at least in the world around us, in our jobs, in our homes, in our marriages, in our finances. God, in the way we approach problems, in the way we approach difficulties within this church, within this community, God, that where we are able, we bring God's kingdom in. In Jesus' name, I thank you for that opportunity. Amen and amen. Have a... Oh, yep, Rachel has a quick announcement.